Hey, good morning all. Welcome to the Common Good Podcast, the 29th of August today. Dan here in Minneapolis once again, summery and great. A little cool for this time of year, 79 for the high today. Uh, breezy. People out at the Minnesota State Fair, but even better than the weather, it's the high holiday for a lot of parents around here. The day when the big yellow tube of freedom comes rolling down the road <laughs> and their children go climb aboard and they become somebody else's charge for the day. Yep, that uh, was so it for us. Starter school. Today, start start of school. You guys are getting going. First day of school for my kids. I'm in Michigan now, so... Wow. Yeah. You're just a man about town. Yeah. man about the country. Uh, your kid's going to go to different schools then, or are they going to go to the same... Yeah, different places? schools, so they're all starting on new schools today. What a big day. I mean, that, yeah. that, that lends a level of anxiety. Um, I can still remember the feeling I had starting sixth grade. I was going to go to a different part of the building. I went to yeah. a school that was feeling in suburbs of Minneapolis, so we were all in the same building like fourth, fifth grade through. But sixth graders had to go to a new part of the building, so that was a little scary. I had to walk by the ninth graders. And uh, I changed the part in my hair to the uh, down the middle, <laughs> parted down the side. Uh-huh. Uh, and man, I was just riddled with anxiety whether or not, you know, how that was going to go over because after a summer of, I don't know, not having a part in my hair, then parting down the middle became a thing. And Ooh, That's a big move, yeah. Yeah, I remember that day. You know, my parents were just smiling and gleeful and like, yeah, see ya. Go ahead, Mr. Park. <laughs> uh, no, they were they were sweet about it. All right. Hey, Dan, uh, one of the things that's... Uh, well, how's the weather there? We- weather's good? Should we- it's beautiful, yeah. Right. Great. I'm like two minutes from the lake, Lake Michigan now. and uh, But wow. if it looks different, I am in a co-working space. A friend of mine runs, and this is... This is a bank vault. It's like these scary doors. This isn't even the big door. There's like a a bank vault door with all the like... That's what I'm inside really? right now, yeah. The big spinning thing? Did you, uh, yep. did you have to you put a stethoscope up to the <laughs> lock to, crack to the figure code, out the yeah. combination? You <laughs> well, okay, so you're inside of a bank vault, which kind of has this 1920s, 30s vibe. I have my old-timey mic in front of me, and that's because we're going to talk about fascism today. <laughs> and fascism has its you know, roots in the early 1900s and really peaking for a lot of people's interests by the 1930s, 1940s. So perfect that you're inside of, a, uh, of an old bank vault that, you know, the, where they kept the money and gold, uh, <laughs> and I'm using an old-timey mic. Because fascism is back, my friend. Now, uh, Joe Biden made some news last week, and part of the reason I want to talk about this is because this has come up in the popular conversation. Joe Biden made this comment to some funders uh, and it got people really riled up. He said, uh, and if you can see it on the screen there, you'll see this is a text of the quote. Those of you just listening, what he said was, what we're seeing now is the beginning of the death knell, which just pause for a second. Anybody who uses death knell and then somebody has to type it out, uh, death knell is spelled (laughs) K-N-E-L-L for the knell. I always thought it was death nail, but it's not. Okay, so what we're seeing now is the beginning or the death knell of the extreme mega philosophy. It's not just Trump, he says. It's the entire philosophy that underpins the, and I'm going to say something, Biden says. It's like semi-fascism. Well, that caused a big kerfluffle in the political spaces. People on Fox News are demanding an apology from the president for calling oh, Republicans sure. fascists. 
Um, uh, the governor of, I think, New Hampshire named Sununu is out shaking his fist saying, how dare you apologize to all of these uh, Republicans who aren't that way? Well, he was suggesting that there's a MAGA philosophy, the Make America Great Again philosophy, the Trumpist philosophy. So some people are ragging on him about that. Other people are jumping on him about using the word semi before fascism. <laughs> They're like, no, They're it's saying, full blown. <laughs> you don't have to qualify this. You don't this. have to soft pedal this. Is, this. <laughs> this is not, uh, you know, semi-fascism. This is full-on, full-bore uh, fascism. So I want to talk a bit about that today. And also, uh, uh, Saturday night, my wife and I were with some friends and family out at a restaurant, and the people that were going to take our table after us, because we are in one of those fancy food court areas where you have to hang around till someone frees up an outdoor table and then you take it over. And the person who came and sat down with us, these were people um, sort of, of, you know, your, I mean, this in the most generous, kind and approving sense, kind of your hipster fashion. So this guy had a t-shirt on with big, bold print that said, um, stand against, and then there was something. And then on the bottom, I could only see the ism. And Shelly said something to him about, oh, I want one of those shirts that says racism. And uh, then I said to her, what, what, what did his shirt say? And she said, it said fascism. And then she said, oh, and what is that? Like, that's, that's bad, right? That's what we're against fascism. Fascism is not, a, is not right. a good thing. Like, and I think that represents where a lot of people are, right? You hear something like, don't be such a fascist. Republicans call Democrats fascist. Yeah. Republicans call Anthony Fauci a fascist, right? <laughs> uh, so this gets thrown around and we don't often understand it. So I thought we'd spend 30 minutes or so here sort of uh, engaging in this conversation. So yeah. we're going to have to go back in time a bit to get some little bit of beginning. That's the 1930s business. And then pull forward to our to our current period. So glad you're along for the ride. Uh, on the chat, I can see that Jim is saying hello from Ventura, California. And um, uh, Alex from Florida and Kay from Ohio. And from Michigan and from Minnesota, you know, this is just interstate commerce that we have going on here. All right. If you were to go to Wikipedia, and I'd suggest, you know, that you either do it now, keep your browser open, or, you know, make sure you get your YouTube app open and head over to uh, Wikipedia and type in fascism. What is fascism? Well, the first entry that comes up, sort of the standard one, that is the definition, includes a picture of Italian dictator Mussolini and German dictator Adolf Hitler. So it starts there. Now, it's not starting there because it's using fascism as a derogatory term. As it turns out, Mussolini is the one who coined the phrase as a positive phrase. The meaning of the word goes back to an Italian word, which is rooted in Latin, which means a bundle of sticks or twigs that are sort of pulled together. So what Mussolini was saying was they needed in the early 1900s in Europe a different way to organize than what was seen as the libertine version of liberalism, of popular democracy, or the liberal version of democracy, what we'd now call liberalism. Liberalism not in the, poli in the conservative political spaces of today, but the idea that you had a self-governing people that was afoot. And Mussolini said, no, 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 we can't have that. What we have to have instead is a strong leader, somebody who's going to dictate for all the people so the people can stay about their business. They can worry about their little associations and then someone will kind of run the place. But you can't have everybody chiming in on running the place. It just doesn't work. Now, that's an important note to hang on to because that's what a lot of us are hearing today, right, is 
hey, we can't have just everybody voting. We have too many people voting. We have people that shouldn't be voting voting. We have to get some control over this. The reason that progressives like me and others call the movement of Trumpism fascist, or Biden would say semi-fascist, or some people call it neo-fascism, or a new version of fascism, or a novel version of fascism, is because it starts to borrow the very notions that Mussolini and Hitler and others thought was a better way than a liberal democracy. Now, there's other versions of, of government in our world, right? There, than democracies, there's authoritarianism, there's dictators, there's fascists. All of these, it's like a word cloud that don't have firm boundaries between them. So whether you called somebody an autocrat, meaning they want to just be the person in charge, or a fascist, it usually has something to do with how much does the dictator run the place, the country. So we're going to get into some of that in a bit. But this, there, there's a writer named David Griffin, and he has this, this great notion talking about this. He said, we have to think about fascism through a lens called fascist minimism. What's the minimum amount of fascism that you have to have for something to be called fascism. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good way to get there, right? It's sort of like what constitutes lemonade as opposed to sugar-flavored water with some lemon hints in it, right? Uh, what, when is it lemonade and just kind of a lemon water, uh, you know, in a little little sparkling water or something? Well, there's a minimum amount that you would get to where you'd say, okay, it's lemonade. It might not be pure, might not be hand squeezed, might not be, you know, the ultimate expression, but close enough, it's it's lemonade. And we do that with all kinds of things. Well, fascism needs to be thought about in those terms. And if you do, I would suggest the current statements from Trump, the way Trump ran his campaign in 2016, the way he ran his presidency, meets the minimum standard for somebody who wants a fascist movement. So I would suggest, yes, the Republican Party is toying with fascism. Now, where it's not, and here's a, here's a can, Dan, do we have that long definition? Can we put that, that long definition up? Does that, does that sort of work? Uh, okay, so I'm, I'm going to read, I'm going to read part of this. Now, you know, having somebody read to you uh, what's, you know, on the, on the internet's not always the greatest in podcast and radio, but I think this is sort of helpful. This is from the Wikipedia article again. Fascism is a right Sorry, fascism is a far-right, authoritarian, ultra-nationalist political ideology and movement. So right off the bat, it's like, okay, gathered up inside of fascism is always on the far right. In fact, you don't have leftist fascists by this definition. Authoritarian, ultra-nationalist yeah. political identity and movement. And it's that ultra-nationalist thing that when people heard Trump say things like, we're going to have a make America great movement in America, and it's going to be America first. America first, yeah. The reason that hearkens in people's minds to fascism is because there was a movement in the 1930s headed by a popular person in, in our society in the United States, someone who was made famous for his long air flight a guy named Carl Lindbergh. My high school was named after Lindbergh. Uh, I went to Hopkins Lindbergh High School. He was a famous cat for flying his airplane, you know, I don't know, around the world or something, like really famous 1930s. But he also was somebody who was very sympathetic to fascist movements and to Nazism. And his push in the United States, he's one who popularly used the phrase, make America great. 
<laughs> and America first. That phrase is borrowed from 1930s. So, you know, if you bring into the 1930s, you've got Carl Lindbergh flying around the world and saying that we need a fascist movement in the United States. This guy, that's that's fancy thing I can do with my little <laughs> radio. Uh, it's incredible. It's incredible. Uh, so Carl Lindbergh is someone who coined this phrase, made it popular, and he was hearkening to what was going on in Europe. So it's. When people hear Trump say America first and they hear the ultra-nationalists in America, when they hear people say, if you're going to allow immigrants in the country, we need to sort them more carefully so they only come from certain European countries. That is the way that you would control the future population toward a particular nationalist identity. Again, fascism isn't a hard line that you cross. It's a gradation that you move into. It, maybe color is a better narrative. Maybe somewhere going from green to blue, you've got turquoise in there. So if Mussolini and Hitler were deep royal blue, what the current Republicans are kicking around is something that's aqua blue. And it doesn't fit inside the United States, even though the aqua blue people have been pitching this stuff for a very long time, but not in totality. They don't take all of the totalitarianism and put it forward. Instead, they take little pieces of it and craft it together. Should I keep reading? Sure. Okay. Because <laughs> that was like half of the, half of the first sentence. Uh, so it's a far-right, authoritarian, ultra-nationalist political ideology movement characterized by a dictatorial leadership centralized autocracy, militarism, forcible suppression of opposition, yep. belief in a national, sorry, belief in a natural social hierarchy. Some people are just better off than others. Some people are just smarter. Some people are just more capable. And then the subordination of individual interests for the good of the nation and race and a strong regimentation of society and the economy. Okay, so those are the kind of qualities that set up a fascist lean. Now, here's where what the current Republicans are not talking about. And that's this other part of fascism that has to do with how we're going to organize our society. So when it comes to the economic side of, of fascism, most fascists would also want the government to lead and to control the economy. So any you know, self-respecting fascist leader is not going to ask for business to be freed up to do whatever it wants to do, right? That, that's not going to work well for, for a fascist leader. So what they would often want to do is to control the economy. This is why if you ever hear people on the right say to progressives or liberals, you're a fascist, what they're zoning in on is the idea of socialism. They would say socialist movements can be fascist movements. Now, a socialist movement, which I don't advocate for, it's no, we're nowhere close to it in the United States. We have a full capitalist society, I can assure you. <laughs> a socialist movement says that, the cert that certain sectors of the economy should be run by the government. But you can have an economic capitalism and a fascist leadership. What Trump has done was blended together 
the leadership components of fascism, authoritarianism, nationalism, uh, protecting uh, America against all others because, uh, as a way to show that America is its pure self. Who are we really? All that conversation reaches the minimum level of fascism. Economically, however, it's not using fascist ideas of controlling the economy. So this is why someone like Biden wants to use the term semi-fascist, or they're not fascist in economic arguments, some people would say, yet, but they are that way when it comes to the leadership. And what freaks people out, and the reason that I'm freaked out right now, is the one thing that a fascist movement would do is say that the leader is the one who's in charge of the law not the person who's subject to the law. Yeah. The thing that keeps the United States from ever going down the road of any kind of fascism as a political movement or authoritarian as a style of leadership or a dictatorship is that the leaders in our country are subject to the same laws as the rest of us. You don't get a pass. What people have been saying about Trump consistently. And what some people like former, uh, 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 former um, Attorney General Bill Barr and people like Dick Cheney and others have been arguing since Nixon is that the presidency is protected against the other laws. In other words, you can't charge a president with a crime. They're exempt. That starts walking itself over toward the kinds of characteristics you'd have to have in place if a dictatorship, authoritarianship, or a fascism were to actually take place. Right. So this is why people are worried and confused is that the authoritarianism, the nationalism, the deep level of control that Trump wants to have, and the idea that he is immune from the same kinds of restrictions or, oh, oh, well, hang on a minute. If you're going to charge a president of the United States with a crime, well, we have to have a whole other level of conversation. Or if you're going to charge a former failed presidential candidate and, presidential, uh, and, and president with a crime, you have to have a whole different standard. Well, that's the kind of thing that in this country we've said, no, 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 no. We don't run a fascist regime. We don't run authoritarianism or dictatorships. Yeah. What we do in this country is everybody is equal under the law without fear or favor. That's yeah. the thing that separates out the leadership structure. These aren't kings. These aren't dictators. They're subject to the same laws, especially once they're not in office. Like you can argue that a president could be hassled by incessant lawsuits, like frivolous lawsuits. And so there's an argument to be made like, well, maybe we just wait till they're out of office um, mm -hmm. because it could hold up the government. But yeah, still the same laws apply to each of us. That's kind of what this whole idea of America was founded on. And it was argued aggressively in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, and 50s in the United States. And the reason it was being argued so aggressively is not because we were still having a conversation that we were having in the 1830s, 40s, and 50s. In the 1830s, 40s, and 50s, the conversation was, what about the kings? Is this country going to be more like a kingdom where the president is a stand-in for the king? Because that was the recent global history, including in this country. 
you fast forward a, a century, a hundred years, and in the 1900s, what you have is the rise of fascism and dictators and authoritarian leaders who aren't kings. They didn't become kings by any right. They didn't become kings because of who their father was. It wasn't passed down in some patriarchal lineage. These were people who were elected to office and then took on extraordinary powers. They changed the constitution. They changed the practices so that they would be protected, right? That's how, or, the, or it was a military coup by which they took over the government. So it's not kingship. So by the 1900s, what we're looking at is not the same conversation you're having about kings in the 1800s. What you're having is a conversation about a new movement in Europe that's freaking people out, which Mussolini and Hitler and Stalin and others are most famous for advocating, which is that they have the best interest in mind. They will keep the country pure. They will make sure that the economy is working for only the select elite who deserve it because one of the narratives of fascism is that there are certain people for whom this country truly belongs and everybody else is just a guest and a visitor. Yeah. And that's what freaked out the people in the United States. So a number of laws and a number of procedures were put in place to be sure that the United States wasn't going to fall down the same trap. And then what? Now you fast forward a hundred years into the early 2000s, and what are we facing again? A new kind of fascist movement that's not going to be identical to the 1930s, right? I'm not going to use this microphone. You're not going to have newscasters out talking like this. That's not what we're going to do. You're going to have an internet-driven kind of fascism, but you start looking at the parallels, and they're stunning. Lindsey Graham said this week, if Donald Trump is prosecuted for having these documents, there will be riots in the streets. As if that would be a good thing because the people should fight back because Donald Trump can't be prosecuted yeah. like this. I mean, he's a former president of the United States. I mean, my goodness, you can't go off, you know, uh, having this man be uh, uh prosecuted just like some common criminal he's not some common mob boss who is this man he's above he, why is he being treated in such a disrespectful because he broke the law yeah that, and this is the thing do we say in this country that we're going to have a fascist movement that's going to decide who's in charge and who the, the country's really made up of and i know that fascism is a is a an extraordinary claim because people are afraid of it in this country. But the reason they're afraid of it is because it's a possibility. And the things Trump has done and the things he continues to do, and now the basis on which he wants to run and the basis of which the Republican Party is coming behind him, man, it, it is not at all reactionary or extremist to say that's what this looks like. And to all my friends on the right who want to say, what about Hillary? What about all the other people? Go ahead and make the same, lay them out on a piece of paper. <laughs> what are the fascist minimums that the Trump movement has called for and has practiced? And what have any liberals done? Go ahead and tell me about emails and about riots and see if they, see if they match. See if, see if what happened in my beautiful city of Minneapolis or up in Seattle where people are calling for racial justice and the police to stop executing people on the street. See if that compares to an insurrection. Go ahead, lay it out. See if somebody having their own 
email server in their basement so that they don't just have to use Gmail, which by the way, a bunch of you people who are scared of the, you know, big brother tech are also using your own servers in your basement. So, yeah. but go ahead and lay that out versus having 187 documents that were, that were confiscated the first time. And then the FBI had to go back in to get 15 more boxes. Go ahead and see if those things match up. If you think both of those match a fascist minimum, fair enough then you got fascism on both sides. But don't try <laughs> saying you don't have fascism on the MAGA side. Because if you think that anything that Hillary Clinton did in 2014 when she was Secretary of State ranks to this same level, then you can conclude we have a fascist attack on both sides. But you don't get to say it's not fascism. Yep. Yeah, there. yeah and one side is ratcheting up vague or overt calls to violence you have it's like a contest to see who can be the most extreme now you've got DeSantis trying to be the new Trump and you know calling for you know I wish someone would take Fauci by the neck and throw him across the Potomac or what you're just saying outlandish things that will lead to physical violence in the real world that is such a good point. If you, if you, again, back to this, just what I think is just a, such a false comparison. If you were to say, you know what a bunch of Democratic leaders are out doing? They're out saying, I wish we'd all get servers in our basement and mingle together some, you know, communications from our State Department job with our personal email. That would be a great thing. You know what we ought to do? We ought to go into everybody's house and put those servers in. Okay, then you could call it a movement versus somebody who, for whatever, Dumb reasons, didn't want to trust people getting access to her email. Why? Well, because Gmail gets hacked. That's why. Ask John Podesta. Okay, so if you want to say that, because that's what's happening on the Republican side, to your point, Dan. DeSantis is out repeating the things Trump is saying. Trump is saying, don't be gentle on the protesters at my rallies when you haul them out of here. And police, don't be so gentle when you're putting uh, suspects into a paddy wagon. Don't feel like you have to tie them down in there when you're driving around town. Remember all that stuff? Oh, yeah. That's the stuff DeSantis is saying. Now you've got Greg Abbott in wanting to run for the, the Republican nomination, you know, pre, pre-run for that. So he's now taking people who've come into this country seeking asylum and, and protection as a refugee, putting them on buses and sending them up to New York and saying, like, you take these dangerous criminals because that's now what we're doing is calling outsiders, dangerous criminals. One of the signs of a dictatorship, I'm sorry, of a fascist movement is that they're going to otherize immigrants. That's, that that is like minimum number one. (laughs) If you're going to be a fascist movement, you have to make sure that you say things about people who are not born in this country. And you have to do some version of old school blood and soil, meaning you're either blood related to someone in this country or you were born on this soil. Anyone who doesn't meet a blood or soil standard, you're out. This is what was a big deal in 2017 when the Unite the Right rally and Trump got together with all those white nationalists. This is what people were talking about. Yep. Freaking out about this very thing. So look, I, I mean, is the full-on is are the Mitt Romneys and the, and the, the Lisa Murkowski's of the world wanting to have a fascist movement? No, they don't want a fascist movement. But does Marjorie Taylor Green and Lauren Bobert? What's that? I said the Liz Cheney's of the Republican Party are being voted out. 
the people that totally. are saying this isn't where we want to go as a Republican Party, the electorate is saying, no, we're going to go more extreme. And that's the direction it's going. It's becoming increasingly extreme. And if you thought it was going to peak when Trump was president and people like we have to do everything we can to keep him president, like even, you know, attack the Capitol when they're counting the electoral college votes to make it legal, legally official that Donald Trump will have to exit the White House on Jan on January 20th at 11.59 a.m. You know what's even worse? Trump can't be prosecuted once he's done being president. <laughs> you still can't prosecute the man. Now, I've been long for saying in this country, we don't want our presidents with an orange jumpsuit and a prisoner ID number in their mugshot. That's bad for this country. They're going to have to negotiate a punishment that fits the political situation. But that's not the same thing as saying that someone shouldn't be prosecuted. Right. Because that we have to do. You Look, if, if the argument is, hey, we don't think the evidence is there, fair enough. The evidence isn't there, the guy's not prosecuted. If it is, you can't prosecute him or you have a higher standard of prosecution because of a person's former role, then you're not talking about protecting the presidency. You are talking about protecting the person. Mm -hmm. MAGA friends, let me ask you this. If something came out that George W. Bush had committed a crime, some federal crime, and the FBI was investigating George W. Bush, do you really think you'd be out there yelling and screaming and screeding on Reddit <laughs> and writing on Truth Social before it goes bankrupt? Do you really think you'd be out there saying you cannot prosecute a former president? Of course not. If it was Barack Obama, if it was Bill Clinton, mm -hmm. of course not. But even if it was George W. Bush, you wouldn't be out there. You'd be like, let the system run its course. Let's find out what happened. When it comes to Donald Trump, then you say, oh, whoa, whoa. Well, that's because they've been after Trump from the beginning. It's not <laughs> fair for Trump. They're treating Trump differently. Your call to treat Trump differently because you think that law enforcement has treated Trump differently makes absolutely no sense. Mm -hmm. Especially when you factor in most of the people involved in that investigation were appointed by Trump or appointed by Trump's appointees. Like, yes. these aren't like Democrat hitmen. These are like good Republican people that like, hey, this is against the law. You can't do this, even if you're the president. But when you see the person as a dictator, when you see the person as the cult leader, when you see the person as it's about the person, yep. then you're easy to conclude anytime anything not pleasant is said about that leader, that means that that person saying it has switched sides because everything is about protecting the leader. Everything is about protecting Trump. Yeah. Look, you, you're not hanging a Republican flag off the back of your truck. You don't put you know, the Republican emblem over the flag of the United States, you do it with Trump's face and Trump's name. Yeah. So what this is about is your commitment to Donald Trump, not your commitment 
anything else. That is what makes this all feel like a fascist movement. So for you people that think some of us are just overly Trump deranged, it's because so much of our future democracy is hinged on a small percentage of people who've been overly committed to the cult leader, Donald Trump, that if they don't move, elections are not going to go in a way that's going to favor non-fascist democracy. Mm-hmm. There's a, a list, if you went on the Wikipedia page, you'd see a, a, a long list of core tenets of fascism. And it's long. You know, it's <laughs> because it's fascism, again, is this like word cloud that when you get enough of the phrases, you're like, okay, now now we're talking fascism, right? It's it's a it's it's not a singular effort. It is really complicated gradation. But if but this once were you're a, in it, like a fascism bingo card, like you <laughs> you couldn't go five turns without getting a bingo. This is just a what's what of the Republican Party. And, oh, it turns out these are also the core tenets of fascism. Yeah, paleogenic uh, ultranationalism, nationalism, imperialism, mi- militarism. Remember when Trump wanted to have a military parade? Racism, uh, anti-communism, anti-intellectualism, anti-pacifism. I am one, I can't even say it. Show, uh, chauvinism, all the isms. Yeah. Uh, conspiracism direct actions of violence, social interventions, call for new levels of social order, irrationalism, machismo, perpetual war, propaganda, popularism. These are all the kinds of core tenets that make up fascism. And that analogy of a bingo card is great. So this is the kind, this is why people, you know, in their intellectualism are like, hey, we can't live in a world that has a neo-fascist movement. And people are like, I don't even honestly know what that is. We're against that, right? Fascism's the bad thing. I mean, it's not <laughs> socialism, which some people said was a bad thing when I was a kid. But now I think some people are saying democratic fasc- socialism is a good thing. So now I'm a little bit confused. Fascism, though, that's just always bad, right? Like, this is what's going on from your average mm-hmm. person just kind of kicking around, you know, listening to national public radio, but bouncing between news and the alternative music station that they also provide for you so you can just be entertained endlessly. So people, they're not walking around thinking about 1930s, 1950s, 1840s, you know, fascist and, and, and king returning movements. But in 2022, one is at our doorstep. Because so many of the core tenets of all of this, this is this is this is what it's up to. Yeah. So, why did Biden say it? Because it's finally reached the level at which Biden then gave political permission for people running for office to start to hint that a fascist accusation against the current Republican mega movement is warranted. And I totally agree with him. Mm-hmm. I think it's safe to say. But you can't say to yourself, therefore, Trump is Hitler or Trump is Mussolini, or Trump is Stalin. It's not a one-for-one. One. We're talking about a 2020s movement of fascism, not a 1920s movement of fascism. Yeah. And uh, you know what a difference a century makes. And it's in the United States as opposed to anywhere else. And guys like Lindbergh, they were marginalized. Guys like Trump, they're lionized. Yeah. That's the difference in the current Republican Party. Yeah, and I think there was a, a moment where we thought, a lot of us thought that when Trump left office, the the blinders would be lifted, the curse would be lifted, and people would sort of come to their senses and be like, wow, I can't believe we went along with that guy for so long. 
but people have doubled down. And like you said, it's not about the Republican Party. It's about this was our guy, and we still want him to be in charge. And yep. that's what's really troubling. Yes. Or even worse, he still is in charge. He really is the president, <laughs> and he's in exile and has to get back into the White House. Yeah. And if you don't, if you look, if you just say to yourself, oh, come on, the most fringy of fringe people think that. Yeah, they don't. When they say, I think they're, I don't think the election was fair, they also finish that with, you know, Trump is still the president. He was elected. He wasn't sworn in. He still needs to be sworn in. But he's, an, he's a president in exile. I mean, it's just full-on fascist cult nonsense. Yeah. Hey, happy Monday, everybody. Enjoy your, uh, your ride into Labor Day weekend. And, you know, <laughs> when you're thinking about the labor workers and the labor party, you know, remember, it's fragile around here. <laughs> yeah, um, just remember as you're celebrating your weekend off, it wasn't the fascists that gave it to you. <laughs> That's right. It wasn't the fascist. That's a great slogan. Hashtag it wasn't the fascist. Uh, other than a uh, you know a, a screed against a duly enforced legal order from the legal system of the United States, then that becomes the Gestapo. And I know everybody throws around Germany. Of course they do. We should. We should never let our, let ourselves forget it. But uh, there is nothing on the left that reaches a fascist minimum. And there's yeah. all kinds of things on the right that reach it. Elias has a comment in the chat. It says, any chance you can do a segment on dominion theology, dominionism, and how that was the origin of this extremism? I think that'd be great. Yes, we will do that. That's a great idea. It is, um, that's a window into uh, the, the code, if you borrow this metaphor, the code that has written the software on which uh, so much of this, especially Christian religious support for Trumpist extremism, even fascism and violence comes from. There's a reason that they uh, lean into that. And um, mm -hmm. this dominionism is, is the heart of it. And it's, it's dangerous in this sense, uh, and we'll, we'll, we will do a whole segment on it, but it's, it's dangerous in this sense. That it's one of those things that Trump is totally into. He's doing it. And he doesn't understand it at all from the dominionism side. <laughs> this is why the religious leaders around Trump are just like, hey, don't worry about it. We've got it. You know, he's, he's doing our work. He's doing yeah. our bidding and doesn't even need to know about it. So don't, you know, don't, don't be concerned about his own views and his own faith or his own actions because he's doing our work, which is to accomplish right. these seven areas of dominion that Christian people should have, they believe Christian people should have in society. And it's extremely dangerous and it's really the root also of christian nationalism yeah. so so look republicans save your republican party we got a little website for you called what happened to my republican party.com head on over there and we'll uh we'll do what we can to help you out because we don't want to we know a lot of you don't want to become democrats whatever it's fine i mean a lot of my progressive friends don't want to become democrats you know bernie sanders <laughs> doesn't want to become a democrat but he'll caucus with them you know uh but you're not going to become one uh so fair enough you don't have to um but you also don't have to hang out with the fascists so, um, yep. you know, you don't have to fall off one side or the other if you don't want to. Now, I'm fully happy being a Democrat. Come on in. The water's fine. Join us. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see everybody right, soon. Cool. I got to break out of this uh, bank vault and go pick up. Well, you break out of the bank vault and we'll break out of the 1930s. <laughs> we'll see everybody soon. Sick it.